Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So Peppermint tea all round. Cheers, lags. Cheers, mate. Good, good to see you. Good to see you. It feels like we're seeing a lot of each other <laughs> Indeed. as of late, doesn't it? I saw you. Let's have a quick sip of this, the tea pig. There are other herbal teas available, but as I was saying to lags a moment ago, most of them just aren't as good. <laughs> tea pigs rule. Um, saw you at the Frank Turner after party. The Underworld yeah. DJed with you there. And then I saw you literally just last weekend. At Waco, yeah. At the Black Heart. And, and it, that got me thinking, and here's where I'd like to start, because it's hard for me to imagine somebody who's been in the music industry as long as you have, intrinsically like in there as long as you have, that is still front line going to shows and not just like you know arena shows like hey i saw lags at bring me the horizon at the o2 it's like well yeah you see the whole music industry there you're out there at club shows with you know upcoming bands bands on your label and you're still after all these and what 2007 was when gallows got signed yeah i think so so that's that's, that's 15 years and oh, i'm God. presuming you would have been in bands at least five at least yeah. before that so you've been in this game now for two decades and you're still out there. So what I wanted to ask you is like, when you first start listening to music and seeing bands and deciding this is what I want to do with my life, are you like a lifer from the start? Do you see a full-time, if not lucrative career, at least a way of life in this thing? As soon as you're exposed to it, are you like, yeah, this is me, let's go? I, You know what? When I first got into music, it was nothing like that okay i think i just got into i just love music i never thought about a career in the music industry 
I had no idea like how to um how I'd start any kind of path in the industry. So it was just me. I love music. I want to learn to play an instrument. So you know, I go go on piano. Like my parents, are like you know, we'll get you like a cheap secondhand tiny little keyboard <laughs> and that's like oh okay so i can do this so i'm like listening to like tv themes or whatever and i'm just kind of is that how it started re- wow, yeah so re- repeating them on the keyboard bands. yeah i mean this is like going like super young do you know what i mean yeah 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 um but you were like interested in music from a very young yeah age, i think a, a lot of people are though do you know what i mean it's it's hard not to be especially if, you're, if your parents are playing beatles records or whatever in um at home you just kind of you find yourself in that world and uh and yeah so you know keyboards and like i was gonna yeah do a band at school with my friends and you know my my buddy was playing guitar and stuff and uh and i was like you know what keyboards are not that cool like i'll, I'll move to bass and so i was like okay i don't own a bass guitar so the school have got like a, a really terrible bass guitar and like you know i've got no idea what i'm doing um and then and my dad's like, you know, I play a bit, of, used to play a bit of guitar. I can like sh- show you a few chords. So I was like, okay, move to guitar. And, and yeah, it was just like that. And then, you know, you start developing your kind of, um, your taste, your taste in music. So for me, it was, it was kind of like metal, you know, Metallica, Sepultura, Slayer. How old are you? Uh, He's got to think, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it's that long ago. Um, <laughs> no, how old are you now? Oh, now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I'm 41. Just okay. turned 41. So you're six years older than me. So you would have been growing up and getting into music from like the early 90s? Yeah, or, yeah, exactly. So that's when, you know, people at school were like, you know, checked out Smashing Pumpkins, mm-hmm. um, things but, like that. Grunge? Was, was that grunge, on your radar? Yeah, yeah. Nirvana. Like, I remember when Kurt died and stuff. It was So that was around the time I was getting into it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't obviously back in those days you're kind of very reliant on your friends and your friends older brothers and sisters to kind of pass down their musical taste and um do you have any older brothers or sisters i'm an only child so i was was even more dependent on other people Um, same as me i've got a younger sister but i never had an older sibling so yeah it was always as you say not just your mates but their older siblings who kind of paved the way and they go here's weeds of blue you got to check this out here's dookie and i remember getting like a cypress hill temple of boom tape and i was like this is insane this is wild but yeah i mean you know doing from that doing bands but even then like my my career path i mean i I wanted to be like a journalist i think i was really into writing about music or writing in general um have you done much of that you know what i did a few bits for um for kerrang as like a guest so a guest review that i reviewed like refused shape of punk to come reissue i think and right then right i did i did like a monthly thing called this is hardcore on uh i remember louder that. or something i remember that that yeah. was when brannigan was the editor yeah, there. yeah i mean paul's I always that. been like a huge supporter of like gallows and a lot of things i did and and when when things were just getting a bit quieter he was like do you want to do this do you know what I mean There's he's a good man isn't he that such dude? a good guy yeah, yeah. love him and, um, and i think the best writer in the uk for music i think his style is second to none yeah i mean we still like even with gold key like we used him to write our uh, bio and stuff like that he's yeah he really just nails it and he's the boy and, and writes beautifully as well so yeah it was wicked um but yeah like do you know what if someone actually said to me back then like let's let's say late 90s uh i'm like a teenager at school whatever um and said you know you're gonna have this 
future of music, I would never have believed them because that was never, you know, I was very much like, oh, I'm going to go to uni now. Um, did you go? I did. So I went to King's, did English. Um, Me too. Literature. Lit and Lang. There you go. Um, but again, do you know what I mean? I still wasn't, I was still into bands. Well, well there's no career in that either, is there? No, exactly, All that yeah. does is develop your critical thinking, which is amazing if you're a creative. I still believe like a lot of the, insights that i have into like interview technique and obviously writing and all like kind of critical analysis comes from those years studying but yeah. you're not going to walk out of uni as an english graduate and get a, an immediate job anywhere are you i mean i level <laughs> i was hardly ever there i was like on tour like i was in like punk bands so i was always going on tour but um but yeah even when gallows started like the whole idea behind gallows was just to create music that kind of challenged people so it was even a you know Getting Frank in the band for me was um, it was basically like getting someone who I knew was uh, was almost like a volatile, challenging figure. Aggravational. Exactly. Like, and you know, I've seen Frank before joining Gallows, like playing bands, and he'd be like, you know, climbing up everything and like just put on an amazing show and really kind of um, in the nicest possible way piss people off. Do you know what I mean? So you're good friends with Joby because he's obviously produced some records yeah. for Gallows Mark II, um, and I presume you would have toured with Bronx back in the day. Loads. Has he ever told you the story about when he first saw Matt singing? No. So he said he went to go see Matt because his older brother, I think, was friends with Matt's older brother, and I think they were saying like, "You guys need to start a band together." So Joby goes down to a bar in Huntington Beach to see Matt perform, and he said he was jumping on tables, kicking beer over people, similar sort of thing. Just like this guy's a fucking maniac. I need to be in a band yeah, with him. Exactly. Was that a similar sort yeah, of thing no, for you and Frank? That's exactly it. Like I, um, I, I saw the potential, not necessarily for like a long term career in music, but to start some shit yeah exactly like <laughs> let's have some fun kind of thing you know it was never going to be um in my mind you know i mean like gallows major label like I, those two concepts are so far apart there's no there's no sense that that would ever be a thing do you know what i mean it was mm -hmm. it was just such a two separate things so like you know we started gallows um well how um how do like lee stew uh, and you all get together because okay. assumedly you get Steph through Frank. Or, yeah. yeah. So, so what, what basically happened was my old punk band, um, you know, we were kind of like skate punk basically. Um, what like no, I saw the no effects CD there. One of my yeah, all time yeah. favorites, like <laughs> yeah. epitaph, fat wreck, that exactly. kind of stuff. Exactly. That's yeah. very much of that, that era. Do you know what I mean? That's the kind of stuff like we were into and, and we wanted to do something a bit heavier. So the idea was the band lineup stays the same, but we get, a front man and we just change the sound change the name um what were you called before i'm not even gonna say it's so, <laughs> so embarrassing but um but basically we uh so we did a few practices with frank um and then the rest of the guys in the band were a bit like you know we've been doing this for a while like i'm gonna move on which is fair enough so it kind of leaves me um i was like without a drummer without a bass player um Paolo, who was in, um, well, Paul, his nickname was Paolo. Uh, he stayed with Gallows for the early part, like for the first demo. And so I was trying to find other band members and it's going to sound... So you, it's just you and another guitarist at yeah, this point? Yeah, and Frank. And, and Frank's yeah, in. Yeah, Frank's so, in. so we need like a, a bass player and a, a drummer. And uh, I'm, I've am i been good friends with some amazing drummers and amazing bass players, but they were all 
like in bands at the time and so i didn't really know lee but like someone said like you know lee could ask lee he'll be up for he's into similar kind of bands so are you all from around here you all what for boys yeah so frank was like hemel which is about 15 minutes away all hertfordshire all hertfordshire yeah yeah yeah. so and Stu, he's been playing in like cool hardcore bands and um he went to school with me he's a year above me so like they kind of came in it, it sounds brutal it's almost like default members do you know what i mean because they were around at the time it's like let's just do this and um, as you say you're not putting together a band to fucking get signed and go yeah, big and change the world you're just looking to make music it's a weird one as well because a lot of bands like especially bands i play in now um it's like mates coming together mm-hmm. whereas this was kind of like i'm like i'm almost the, the band's one thing and i'm just trying to like Feel, the roles yeah feel the roles mm-hmm. it sounds really weird so i'd never really hung out with those guys I didn't really hang out with frank much either but i just knew he was like a rowdy front man i was like i really want to do a band like create some music with with frank so um so that's how it all started we did um i guess because by this point although you're still young because you've been playing so long you're almost like elders within the scene is that sort of what it was like like you've been around the block a bit yeah even though you're young maybe i mean <laughs> The naivety back in those days was like... It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> that only comes is. with youth and inexperience. Yeah, it? I mean, even like early Gallows days, like, I mean, we didn't have a clue what we were doing. Like, even like just giving music to record labels and not even questioning whether there was money being made and we had nothing, no idea about it. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Just like, we're, oh, we've got a record label on, on this release. That's all we cared about. So there, there was a lot of that. But um, I think essentially... Yeah, like Gallows was just like it was it was a desire to create something just that was almost self destructive from the get go, but it didn't really make sense. Like, you know, there wasn't a case of like, well, I'm friends with these people, so you know, we're gonna try and do this as a friendship group. It's just like, okay, I don't really know you, Lee, but you're now in the band. Stu, like we, me and Stu are kinda of like a a shaky relationship anyway. So it's like Still now. No, no, now no, it's fine. Now but even, even then, it's like, so like, I've got this guy who've like, who we've had like arguments in the past, but now he's in the band. Do you know what I mean? And then Frank, I didn't really know, but I knew he was just like a crazy front man. So essentially, there was Paul, who was a mate who was from my previous band. And so it was just like, almost like this group of like weirdos, which I think is cool. Do you Vo- know what volatile I mean? from the start. Exactly, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I just remember like, you know, the first gig we did. It was funny because I went to the Horn the other day in St. Albans, which is where Gallows played the first show. And there's actually a photo of Gallows, uh, Mark One, on the wall still in there, like in frame. From that first, first gig? or No, just like it's just like a promo photo. They've yeah. used to decorate the venue. But, um, uh-huh. but yeah, it's just funny thinking about the early gigs and how it was like... <sighs> it, it was proper chaos, like in the best possible way. Um, it wasn't like we weren't trying to hurt anyone or like, you know, be just aggravate people, but we wanted to like create an atmosphere where it's just like, you know, everyone jump off the bar or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So it's not just like us creating the chaos, like everyone's part of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, there's two different approaches, isn't there to those kind of rowdy shows. And you do get the bands that are there to just attack the audience and fuck with the audience and make the audience feel uncomfortable and I love bands that do that, and there's a place for that. But then there's also bands, I guess, like Gallows, like Bronx, like Every Time I Die, these bands that, as you say, they instigate and create unpredictable mayhem 
but the audience are involved in a part of it as well so it's like a push and a pull and a collective yeah experience i mean it? we've definitely played gigs where we've intentionally aggravated the crowd but there's, there's a time but that would have come later on yeah, right you when know, you're bigger and there's different kinds of people coming to the exactly, shows yeah um so that was it basically like there, there was no plan do you know what i mean which is why when we're talking about you know me being in the music industry this long you know it, that was never i could never predict it and you know it's, it still feels strange now like you said like going to small shows because because i am a lot older and you know the people the bands you go and see like it just hits you one day doesn't it dude yeah you wake up one day and you go i'm now old I, I, d- I don't know when it happened i was sleeping and all of a sudden overnight there's like a whole there's like three new generations have somehow come and gone in that time exactly and so, you feel like grandpa at the show and you're yeah, like fuck it's, you gotta kind of think like where do i fit into all this do mm-hmm. you know what i mean um but you, i think it's it's all about it's just the love of music isn't it like you can't yeah you don't really grow out of that yeah um, that's what i mean when i say like you seem to me to be a lifer um i was wondering when that started so when gallows begin to like get some attention is that immediately after orchestra of wolves or does there take a little bit of time and is there like a moment where you feel your fortunes begin to change like how does it kick off so what happens is we put out orchestra of wolves on end of the deep end which is like a nottingham punk hardcore metal label um and where it kicks off so interestingly enough we were asked to do the show with blessed by broken heart who are kind of like uh i guess like that fashion emo mm-hmm. scene from, i can tell from the name yeah, yeah never exactly. heard them before but yeah. yeah you know what they look like yeah yeah so we get called on the day because basically and shikari who are opening that show pull out so it's at the islington academy 2 which is just which has just opened that I think it's literally like that week it's open and we're one of the first gigs there. So the promoter's like, you know, Shikari pulled out. We need a band. Will Gallows do it? So I'm like, yeah, okay. And I'll speak to the lads. But, you know, we're all kind of local. It's not far to go. So we did it. And um, what we didn't know is that the whole music industry was there to see Enter Shikari. Right. And this is before Common Dread. So they're looking to sign them at this point. Are yeah, they? I think. Right. I mean, I, I'm not too... What timeline? What, what I don't year know. is this? So this is probably 2000, I would say 2006. Yeah, so I think Common Dreads maybe came out in 2006. So, so yeah. So we're there, we're filling in for Shikari. So it's like then, a showcase, basically. Yeah, but we didn't but know But not that. for you. Yeah, yeah. So we just thought it was like a normal gig. So we, we play the show and I remember like Frank kicks a hole through through the wall, this brand new venue. So there's like now like a gaping hole on the stage. Um, and then... In the, in the chaos, Frank throws Steph through the hole. So the hole just gets bigger and it's just like, you know, it's it's a gallo show, basically. Promoter, uh, at the end of the night, it's like, oh, you're going to have to pay for that. Do you know what I mean? Like, and so instantly I'm just like, okay, fuck this. We're out of here. Amazing. Pack the merch. Mike Let's drop. just go. See yeah, you later. We're gone. So we just like disappear. <laughs> and the next day, I mean, these are the days like MySpace and stuff. So like, Oh, man, hundreds yeah. of messages from booking agents um people you know people i didn't even know existed because i wasn't like booking agents to me was like an alien concept like, yeah. we were just like booking our own shows uh like tours you know oh this band like let's just email kind of like DIY promoters you know that's how it used to be for us get in the van yeah and um and so all these 
these names of industry are reaching out um managers uh wow. said agents like it's it just kind of happened overnight and literally that, yeah that show is for catalyst like we in in a way i mean i'm not sure it and your first album's out at this point so it came it's out done. on end of the deep end yeah so it's the first album's out um it does get picked up and re-released by warner brothers but at this point it's you know we're still kind of like a diy hardcore band i guess yeah. just um, basically playing local shows or are you touring nationally or what's well, going we were on touring but again toilet it's, shows it's yeah, yeah like we did a tour we played a show like an all day with some more paramedics and they really um they loved gallows at that gig and we're like we're doing a tour we want you to do it and they're on in at the deep end as well so it kind of right. made sense so it's it's that kind of level like you know some more paramedics were kind of like the top of the diy punk scene at the time so that's the level of touring basically and again it's just like one-off gigs i like, you know of your demise or things like that and and the funny thing is i like, you know we were playing with like a lot of these bands like your demise and 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 when we go on stage the crowd would just like um just fall back do you know what i mean they'd almost be like what because they knew something was coming no because i think i think it was the opposite because your demise kind of they fit into that hardcore genre like you know but it, it it does what it says on the tin yeah exactly whereas gallows was a bit of anomaly do you know what i mean we were kind of uh, a mishmash of like sounds and influences and who was bringing very quickly what who was bringing what to the table in terms of like because you seem like a band that everybody had their own favorite styles of music you meet in the middle over certain ones but who was bringing what to the table i mean early on so i i wrote all the music with uh with the help of the rest of the guys, obviously. So my influences were kind of a lot of, um, you know, obviously refused, I guess, but then stuff like Hot Snakes, yeah, that yeah. whole kind of um, slightly jangly. Um, but at the same time, yeah, there's definitely like every time I die in there, just like the stuff I was listening to really, but it's it's kind of angular, um, more art punk, I guess, was my where I was coming from. But obviously with Frank's, from Fugazi down. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, but where Frank bring his very kind of, um, you know, like British sounding uh, vocal style, that kind of flipped what I was doing on its head in a way. Because um, all your bands of interest were American, right? Exactly, yeah, which yeah. is why it's funny that, that, when, that when Wade joins the band later, it's like it almost fits more with my vision of what Gallows was. Yeah, yeah. It sounds really Seamless. weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so obviously Frank brought in something. Cause, I mean, I didn't even, it sounds so brutal, but when Gallo started for me, it's it just going to be a, a live band. Do you know what I mean? Um, because like, I didn't really, um, it didn't really clock like Frank's vocals as being something that would sell the band, but more is, is Frank as... A force on stage. Exactly. Like as 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 a character almost is what... Um, I feel like really kind of sells gallows, like especially in the early days. So recording, as much as I love recording now more than ever, um, back then it, it just served as a way of like getting something out there so we can play gigs. Who produced the first album? So the first album was produced by Banks, who was um, in my very first band I ever did. Like he was uh, the singer and he, I mean, I don't know what he's doing now, but... but did he like, do? Did he do anything else at that time he, of note that anybody would know? Or he did like your demise of very early stuff. Um, he's currently 
Paloma Faith's like musical director, I think. Wow. Isn't it amazing how hardcore and punk like, you know, <laughs> yeah. gets all these dudes in like, you know, lighting technician roles and, you know, guitar tech roles with some of these huge pop bands and they all it's, come from this DIY scene. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it is weird. Like I always think about like, you know, it's funny. Um Who else? Is there anyone else from that time that's working for Massive Axe now? I'm sure there's a bunch. You know any by name? <laughs> I mean V Mans and Slipknot. Oh so. well, yeah, I mean yeah. <laughs> it doesn't get bigger than that, does it? Yeah. Um, I mean, he obviously he's like a schoolmate, which is like mental to think. And he yeah. was like Gallows's first like guitar tech. Wow. And uh, <laughs> and also, I mean, the story of him ending up in Slipknot is almost intertwined with like Gallows because we were supposed to go on tour with Slipknot in America. Gallows, what? Yeah. So it was, I think it's like 2008. And wow. We, Fuck me, that would have been a tour. Yeah, and like it it didn't happen. Like we. Gals were kind of going through a rocky patch and it didn't happen for some reason. And so they got another band. I think the tour ended up being Trivium, Code and Cambria, Slipknot. And uh, and V-Man was already going out there because he had a visa all set and one of the bands needed a guitar tech. So I was like, okay, we'll get V-Man to do it. You know, they didn't know, no one knew him, but he was like, I'm a guitar tech. You know, I'll do it for you. I'm all, I've got everything ready to go. So he went over, did the tour, and it was on that tour. He, so who did he tech for? I, th I think he teched for Kohi. Right, and he ended up um, befriending Jim Root on the tour. Mm -hmm. And how it happens, isn't it, man? It's mad, isn't it? It's absolutely crazy. So fast forward a few years, V Man gets quite a name as being like a guitar tech. So he's like teching for Macedon and stuff, and. Uh, I think like he hooks up with like Jim. I'm, I don't know if I'm meant to be telling the story, but um, it's in it now. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not it's <laughs> yeah. not bad, is it? No, no. But uh, <laughs> just how but it happened. Essentially, like Jim, they spoke on the phone, and Jim was like, "Oh, you know, we don't tell anyone, but we're, we're uh, auditioning bass players." And Beeman was like, "I'm getting a flight over, kind of thing. I want to audition." So yeah, that's how that happened. But yeah, it's just it's weird. There's a lot of people. Um, I mean, it's it's not. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but you're always meeting people from the punk and hardcore scene in the most unlikely places. Yeah, doing the most unlikely things like tour managing, like Lily Allen or Muse. Do you know what I mean? Stuff like that. And it's that lifer thing again that like you realise if you love it because there's plenty of people who join a band tour and fucking hate being on the road and just want to be home with their family and get a regular job. But there's there's the other people who like get a taste for the life, even though they know. You know, obviously, if you end up in a band like Slipknot, then you're going to hopefully make decent money. But you don't know you're going to make decent money. You just know that it's better making money that way than getting a regular job. Oh, yeah. And that's me in a nutshell. Like, my whole life story is about just trying to dodge that nine to five. Even if it's a struggle and it's a constant hustle and a decade in, you're still out there, you know, making moves just to try and make rent. For me, that's still preferable to doing a job that I hate for some asshole. One hundred percent, and that's the draw, isn't it? I totally agree. Like, there's, I think part of the fun is that you there are occasions where you do make money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and obviously but you don't set out exactly, to make the money. Yeah. Do you? That's like a, a nice, beautiful bonus. Yeah, I mean that's that's the same with me. Like, you know, something will just fall on my lap where it's like, we want you to do music for this advert. And then that kind of ties me over for like a few months. Um, well, you do a bunch of like, you know, kind of soundtracking, right, as well and producing and... Yeah, like it's, it's again, it's not anything that um, 
that brings in a lot of money. It's just something I enjoy doing. So if, if someone's making like a short film, you know, I'd happily get involved as long as it's not like, as long as I don't have anything else happening at the time. Because I know somewhere down the line, someone will be like, we want you to do this. And there's a big paycheck at the end of it. So yep. it kind of, it's just balances out. You but, want to be trying to be like the UK Tyler Bates. Oh, yeah. Right? It's, it's funny you say that because I heard someone was telling me how Tyler like, loved Gallows, like Great Britain. And so how could like, he not? Yeah, I was like, I've got to reach out to him. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, like you don't, you don't know where the money is going to be coming from. But I think it, if everyone's got that right attitude, you know, people pick up on it. Do you know what I mean, it's almost like uh, it's like an aura people give off. It's, mm-hmm. Well, it's it's the opposite of desperation. Yeah, right. Because people can smell somebody who's desperate, and when you're desperate for, you know, whether it's a gig or a, or a relationship you come off as desperate and it's off-putting yeah whereas if you come across as comfortable in yourself you're like i don't need this but i'd be up for it and then they're like cool that's the kind of person i want to work with easy going like and as you say there's just like a because you must have been in some situations where you're going into kind of corporate worlds which is very different to the background you come from but assumedly you know now how to read the room and just kind of settle into that vibe and and just do the the job you're there to do enjoy it and and fuck off yeah i mean that's that's the thing like even even the corporate stuff I've done, like I, I can't think of anything I've done where it hasn't been fun. Because sometimes that, that's the fun things that they're getting you to do, like things that are outside of what you'd normally do. So you get and the to challenge is fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's just it is totally just like surfing the waves. Do you know what I mean? You, you don't know when you're going to crash, but you don't know when you're going to catch the next wave. But like you just you just do it because you love it. Um, that's the nature of the independent like free <laughs> freelance hustle isn't it as you are you just riding that wave holding out for the next paycheck and as you say sometimes you get one which keeps you going for several months and then you go several months without one and you can never predict it but um speaking of paycheck segue of the year here's a million pounds do you want to come and make a major label record how does that opportunity present itself to gallows um, yes. around 2000 and is it eight Warner Brothers reach out to you. Two thousand seven. So yeah. it's hot off the back of the first record, kind of then getting yeah. out there. And it's. I think it is two thousand seven. Um, I can't remember the dates, but it it was mad. It was a very mad time, simply because. Well, you're out there, assumedly playing everything, right? South by Southwest, Reading, Download, Warp Tour. You got your Kerrang Award down there from yeah. that year, two thousand seven, yeah. best newcomer. Is that year one of the happiest, most carefree, fun years of your life? Or it's, was it just so busy it almost passed you by? Totally passed me by. Yeah? It's funny because looking back, I it's, I almost struggle to believe some of the things happened. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like signing to a major label, I still feel that's very... Um, it's just so hard to believe. Like for Gallows, like that album... It was like recorded for like a thousand quid. Do you know what I mean? The first one. The first yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, to have like a major label be like, we want to give you a million pounds to re-release this. A thousand record. times that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's, it just doesn't, it, it just doesn't make sense to me still. Um, and if I'm perfectly honest with you, like I, I see the attraction of other bands that are around at the time, like, you know, Shikari, for example. Um, but I just don't see what, uh, it sounds so brutal. It sounds really like negative, but like I, I struggle to see what people, how someone could think that Gallows would be worth a million pounds, unless in their minds they're thinking, we 
they're going to release something that's going to sound like Green Day or um, I don't know, whatever. Like even Rage, say yeah, right. But I mean, if you listen to that, um, to the first Orchestra Wolf, just to that album, it is like there's nothing on there that suggests a commercial radio hit. Is there? nothing at all. Like I, yeah, even Belly of a Shark, which is a certain like bona fide kind of like I guess underground hit. Yeah, um, it's. Yeah, it doesn't really <laughs> indicate like this is going to be a platinum selling band right here. I'll, I'll give you a great, I mean, Belly of a Shark's the perfect example. So there's there's not one section of that song that repeats. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's a section followed by another section, followed by another section, add a different section, do a bit of the earlier section. It's It makes no sense, do you know what I mean? And that's like, you know, that was used on Guitar Hero and yeah. all over the place. And, and so to me, it's just it's it's just really hard to fathom like how a major record label could could think they'd get that money back who was the A&R guy that wanted you who was the instigator because there's always one dude that's yeah. sniffing around because assumedly a lot of labels were after you at this point even though again it's an anti-commercial sound because the industry word is out there this is this exciting volatile band we gotta sign them yeah I mean it was it was mad because like we were being taken out for like dinners by every single record label like We'd be in Berlin, uh, but they'd fly someone out to Berlin to take us out for the day, like hire, like like a limousine and stuff like that. What, what do you want to do? We want to go to here, right? We're going there. What do you want to do now? We want donuts, right? We'll go get donuts. You know, it was like, I would I would enjoy the shit out of that opportunity. Yeah, but it's, it's, if anybody says you're a sellout, I'm like, nah, man. <laughs> I'd sell out in a second as long as you don't change who you are. I, I always have this conversation with people like selling out to me is turning your back on who you are as a collective or as an individual for money. But if you just get paid way more money to stay you and keep doing you, that's not selling out, that's winning. Yeah, I mean, but I think people, I think the industry or at least major labels, they, they were hoping we would sell out. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah. You know, they want to get their money You'd back. soften the edges a little. Exactly. Like, no one, <laughs> you know, a lot. when obviously we got a lot of money and so it came to doing Great Britain and, and so it's like, okay, so what's Great Britain going to be about? Was well, It's going to be like a really dark album. Well, that was a dark time, wasn't it? I was in my final year at uni then. So for me, it was actually like the happiest year of my life. And I wasn't reading a lot of the news or like really aware of a, you know, bigger picture because I was stuck in my university bubble. But it was credit crunch time, wasn't it? And yeah. it, it was like a very bleak time in England when, I mean, in many ways, we're in exactly the same situation now. It feels like almost a a cycle that's repeating yeah, in um, so many similar ways. The credit crunch actually hit when we were recording Great Britain. Wow. And I remember... Um, was that always going to be the title going in? Or did that come later? I think it, it was like we had... Because we demoed the whole album. Um, and uh, I remember we did this uh, playback for the whole like Gallows team. So it was like booking agent management. Are you on Raw Power at that point? Raw Power, yeah. yeah. Uh, Warner Brothers so we're in Raw Power's like little basement uh, room and uh, so everyone's there we've demoed the record and we're like we're going to play it back to the team and like I mean it was even darker the demos are even like more kind of um, noisy and less commercial than Great Britain ended up being and like I remember like the silence after the, the the playback ended and everyone's just like we're looking around the room trying to get everyone's um read what you know everyone's faces and 
definitely people were thinking like, oh my God, what have we done? We've just given this band a million pounds. And like, we're not a band that you can tell us what to do. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's... Do you think you would have made a record that dark and heavy and hard? Because it's a fucking amazing album, whichever way you look at it. And it still is. I texted you the other day. I was like, dude, this still <laughs> sounds so incredible. Do you think you would have gone in that hard and leaned in that hard to that much of a dark record had you not been offered the keys to the kingdom? Like, if, if, if you're just going to do another thousand pound album, do you think you would have still gone that hard in? I think, uh, do you know what? Like, I think there was a point where we recognized we had like a platform where we could uh say something actually say something yeah because the first album you know the lyrical content is kind of just about local life yeah exactly nights out and there's there's lyrics on the album yeah yeah, about about writing the album do you know what i mean it's it's that we were struggling to fill (laughs) to get lyrics down we're just like (laughs) we're writing about the struggle of writing lyrics it's ridiculous (laughs) makes for our first album yeah yeah yeah. so it it was a bit of a weird one but um but, you know, once we realize, okay, we've got a platform, we should, like, you know, use it. Especially with everything that's going on. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's, looking back, weirdly enough, um, I wish we'd used it more. Um, there was still an element of us, like, growing up and, you know, just wanting to have fun, especially for me. Um, and I kind of regret that we didn't, we weren't at that point and saying more things and getting involved more uh the same way as i see like a lot of bands today do, do you know what i mean like shikari architects like well before they blew it a great band for that was the king blues man like they had yeah, yeah. in a similar way they had the fucking keys to the kingdom when they played that headline roundhouse show around save the world get the girl era and they're re- they're out there front line being activists you know and they're changing the world and then you know ego and all the other things get in and yeah and fuck their cause up but i i wish we were more like that it's uh and like today obviously i, I don't have the same platform as that so for me you know I, I kind of try and get involved with other bands who have like a strong message or um or important things to say do you know what i mean so so I kind of, it's good that we did Great Britain and like a lot of people still send me messages saying how, you know, lyrics still resonate today, how the album like really opened their eyes to things and, you know, that's that's amazing. But like, you know, we're, we're still kind of youngish and we're still just out there kind of wanting to have a good time, do you know what I mean? Which I can't really fault because... But it was true, you know, it was true to who you were then. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I've, I'm not the same person now as I was back then and that's that goes for so many people um but yeah it's just well hopefully all of us because if you are the same person as you were 15 years ago you've literally not evolved at <laughs> yeah. all well i'm but, sure you know. there are people like that <laughs> oh, there's plenty um and dude like i want to talk to you about the sequencing real quick of that record yeah. because like it's it's an album you know it's an album in the sense it's a continuous listen from start to end it takes you on a journey especially in that middle section where there's like deaf voices i can't remember the three tracks in a row um but they they blend so beautifully um did you have the track listing in mind or did you basically experiment a bunch with that to get it right and then put in the kind of segues and things the samples that yeah that tie mean, it all together and how involved was garth or was that your vision because it's it's such a cohesive brilliant statement in that sense i think it it was gallo's vision from start to finish uh what was good about garth richardson um he so what's the deal with the three g's do you know because he's got a, a stutter basically. okay yeah, oh, yeah there you go simple um, done and so 
and so basically good thing about Garth is he was just like what do you want to do and I'd have like some I'd be like I've written this idea on a piano and I really want to use it in the album and he's like okay we'll get a an orchestra to play it and I'm like what the fuck like, what are you talking about again orchestra is like that's on Death Voices right is that the track there's so that so there's like a huge bit at the end with like a 33 piece orchestra right at the end of the album uh-huh. um crucifix yeah? yeah 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 so there's like an outro there and then there's like little yeah there's kind of like segues so so there's an element i mean i'm we spent so much money on that record like we're recording <laughs> well, you had Abbey a million Road. to spend <laughs> yeah well that's the thing <laughs> did, like did, here's a quick question how much did all of you take away at the end of it individually i, I don't know but i did a lot a lot we did we still managed to like buy, buy a house yeah nice well at least you didn't piss it all away <laughs> no that's true but i i mean i was very kind of uh i was like living at home the whole time because we were on tour do you know what i mean so there's no point in me like so getting a house was like when gallows kind of came to that brief end and i was like you know i need to get someone to show for all of this and i just invested in so all like my dad was just like you gotta invest here do this blah, blah, blah. so just pulled it all together but um yeah but, sorry so your orchestra orchestra yeah yeah so so that's a great thing about Garth. like he just anything we said he like do it we're gonna do this so even though obviously budget just went out of the roof but you know i get to say recorded in the same room as the beatles and abbey road how, how was that experience like because you come from such a different world to that when you're in that studio and, and you're looking out at how many people were playing how many strings but it's like 33 piece orchestra oh. Do you remember that moment and what do, was going yeah. through your it's, mind? Were you all together as well, whole band? Yeah, like we all went down. So, so for the orchestral bits, it was at Air Studios, which is where they've done, I think, done like Lord of the Rings and things like oh, that. Oh, fucking hell. Wow. Yeah, Star Wars. It's, it's a mad place. Um, it's designed specifically to record orchestras. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so they're like, they're playing like a version of the music that I wrote. So I kind of wrote like a demo on on garage band or something like you know really bad sounding synths and uh and then it gets kind of like uh a, a proper you know a professional composer comes in and just takes what i did and m- makes it sound a bit more um well, authentic yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> um, but you did obviously a, enough of a good job for, for yeah i mean him to take it, it and it evolve was, it it's enough for the rest of the guys to be like yeah let's do it do you amazing know I mean? which is cool uh but it's weird, like, you know, there's definitely a part, part of me felt like, like an imposter in a way, because like, of course. like, do I, do I? Am I out of my depth here? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, there's always that element, like, especially when, I remember doing like TV interviews uh, for like Channel 4 and things like that, and I'm like thinking, you know, I don't know, I don't know what I'm saying. Like, now I'm speaking to you quite openly and freely, but back then I was very kind of like, what's expected of uh, me yeah kind of yeah thing. like what's what's you know this, i've not been not that i feel like everyone needs training or anything like that but like i, I just didn't feel prepared for it um how was frank on the interview front frank was pretty good like he his attitude was very much like because assumedly most of the heat is on him right as that exactly like a little bit, ginger frontman nutter type you know because yeah. he looks so different to you know kind of a, a rock poster boy um and, and he and was he always heavily tatted was he always like no that? so he so when he first joined gallows like i mean he had tattoos but um obviously he was like a tattoo artist and that was his career right so he was doing that before the band yeah so he he was like an apprentice and he was just like this is 
this is what I want to do. I want to be a tattoo artist, and the band's kind of like, it, you know, it's like second fiddle to him being a doing tattoos. But um, obviously, it got to the point where the you know Gallows took a lot of time, and he'd still be tattooing on the road. Like he'd be tattooing on days of gigs. Do you know what I mean? I bet he's tattooed so many musicians on Warp Tour and stuff oh, like yeah, that. Right? Yeah, Everyone's like, got a Frank tattoo. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure. <laughs> but um, but you're right, bro. Like there was there was so much focus on Frank. Like he was, um, like, I think it was like enemy coolest, like number one for one year, and 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 there was like a lot of attention. And I felt bad for him because at the same time, like I know he was struggling with it as well because like it's it's a band at the end of the day and. And you know, whilst he's the front man and the focus, there's like everyone else is like putting in just as much like time and energy and effort into well, making it work. You know, you're writing all the music and yeah. everybody's coming up with a production concept. Exactly. And, yeah. So like he did that draw wedges between you two, like or not? Yeah, I think it did. Like especially after Great Britain, like it, you know, we kind of we struggled to see eye to eye, which and which obviously resulted in Frank leaving to do Pure Love. Um, but, you know, it's just it's just one of those things, like, the way I see it, like, it happens to bands all the time. Like Happens to all of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, I, I'm, I would struggle. I mean, ZZ Top is one. They just recently lost, um, you know, one of their members. But I think they're literally the only band, uh, you know, 50 years is a hell of a long time, but it's just been those three since day one, no changes. Every single band ever has either had a death, a, a band member's left, or they've just broken up. There's, yeah. there's so few, if any, that have set up their lineup, they've achieved all the fame and success, they've stayed together, they've not switched members, and they've fought, you know, forged on. Yeah, yeah. Everything changes when you become successful, I think. I don't think necessarily you change as an individual. Some people obviously do. Some people become very egotistical and greedy. and But I do think everything around you changes to such an extent that it's so hard trying to, like keep your perspective 100 percent. i yeah I, so i'm trying to think what to it's all good mate <laughs> <laughs> how to word it well yeah. so let me ask you this when you're making great britain are you getting on then are you on the same page um, creatively for that album and is that a fun experience making that record it was it was i hate to use a cliche but it was tough was it yeah because um, of the pressure on you from outside or from the pressure on you from each other and yourself i think there's a lot of pressure within the band as well so i remember we were recording vocals at one instant and uh and so i think frank was recording vocals on misery and i and i said to garth i was in like the control room and i was like i was like oh yeah i don't i don't think frank's really nailing this take like and Garth's like, oh, okay, okay. And then, you know, takes done, Frank comes in. Does Garth, he think he's got it? Like balls. And, and go yeah. And Garth's like, Yeah, Lag says uh you didn't nail it. And I'm like thinking, fucking hell, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like the job of a producer is supposed to be like almost like the middle Not to man. throw you under the bus. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, Oh, thanks, man. And and that created like an argument. And in the end, the vocals end up being recorded post um post for album like instruments being done like he recorded the vocals at home with steph okay so not in a room with like me or garth or is that because he didn't want any more feedback i think i think maybe at the time frank might have been just struggling with his voice um but uh but yeah so do you know what i mean it, it wasn't easy and like you know there were definitely like riffs there um 
But yeah, it's it's things like that just happen. Do you know what I mean? It's I yeah. don't feel like it's well, it's not personal. Exactly. As you say as well, when you started the band, you weren't mates. Yeah, yeah. It's, and also, it's not the fault of like, it's not his fault. It's not my fault. Do you know what I mean? It's just like we both. Everyone's got their own vision. That's the thing about a band. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's hard to have everyone kind of like pulling in the same direction. Um, I spoke to Richard from Ramstein on this show years ago, and he said with Ramstein, in fact, that's a band. That's one original yeah. members since day one. They haven't changed anyone. And he says with Ramstein, he says it's sixty percent talking, forty percent music, and that's why they have seven years or whatever it is between albums. He says because it takes because they refuse to kick anybody out. Like if they say somebody's struggling, they wait for that person to an amazing you know approach, which more bands should do, I think. But he does say because of that we spend days on end and then what becomes years just talking what's this record going to be what's this song even going to be what's this photo shoot going to be till everybody's happy it's like you know the russian fucking senate uh, not the russian the roman senate back in the day yeah, like you yeah. know what i mean it just it has to be approved by every single member to go forward i mean that's hard that is hard also i feel like obviously for ramstein they can afford to do that john you know I mean whereas of course in gallows at the time it's like we there's that pressure where we've got to get this done. We've got to get it out. We've got to get back out there playing gigs. Was the pressure to get it out that fast? Because, like, you know, you, if you look at the amount of time you spent on the road at that time and to get those two records out, Orchestra and Great Britain, so close to each other, it seems like you didn't pause for air in, like, two to three years. Yeah, I mean, around Orchestra of Walls, we were kind of, we were touring pretty hard, like, um, everywhere. Do you know what I mean? Like, Australia, Japan, Europe, North America. Um, but it, that's just part of it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, well, when you're hot, you got to strike, right? You can't yeah. go, oh, we're, we're the band of the moment. Let's maybe just go take six months to write the next record. You know? Yeah. It's so, like, no, let's get out there and play in front of everybody and anybody we can. It's weird because uh, it's not what we signed up to do because, you know, we didn't, like I said, we didn't expect a major label or anything like that. But at the same time, that is like, that's what Gallows is about. It's about getting out of there playing live. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, yeah, we were really kind of going for it. And but then so was every other band. Like, I always think about Architects at that time. Like they, they tour, write, record an album, tour, like nonstop. It was insane. Like they must be on their like 60th album now or something. Like the way they've been going. But, but they never had that attention so early on uh, to such an extent that's you know what I mean? true. it's only in the last few years that they've risen into you know this amazing role that they're now in so well deserved yeah. but it's t they've done the long game whereas with you guys it was almost straight out the gate immediate like i think again that whole straight out of the gate thing that kind of set us back as well because like we didn't really have a chance to kind of build the same way as architects let's say did do you know what i mean so it was kind of like we're we're like a punk band. We're still trying to make fans. Oh, but now we're like a punk band on a major label, um, and so a lot of potential fans are just just like just dismiss us instantly. It's funny, isn't it? Because nowadays major labels don't mean shit. And if the most punk rock band in the world signed to a major today here, nobody would care, apart yeah. from a few trolls on the internet. But but then, although it wasn't that long ago there was still the backlash then wasn't there you'd still get those calls of like against me had it and you know so many bands had it of like sell out it's like what yeah but i haven't changed we sound the same if yeah. anything as you say we sound harder and more pissed yeah, off Yeah, exactly <laughs> it's i mean you're always gonna um 
that's the thing about music you're always just going to like piss people off no matter what you do uh-huh. um if you change your sound it's just like oh they've changed now if you put out exactly the same records like oh we're not doing anything new do you mm-hmm. know what I mean it's like yeah 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 you're Damn never gonna you win were you were you did would um did you ever get into the studio to begin a third record with frank did that ever happen or yeah so we demoed quite a few bits and it, you know like the demos were cool it was very different um did they ever see the light of day or become we, other songs or did they all just get shelved not really i think like frank might have used some of the lyrics for like pure love maybe but um yeah they just got shelved like we were in brooklyn so we were on tour with afi and we had um they had like a break of a week during the tour. So rather than gallows fly home and fly back, we were just like, we just kind of stayed in Brooklyn and booked a few days in the studio to like demo like brand new songs. And, um, and they were like, they were really different. Do you know what I mean? Like not. How so? So we did this one song, which is kind of, it was just like a repeating riff that just kept building with like other instruments added. Um, proper fugazi vibe yeah but like it was it was almost i was trying to think like or more refused as you say yeah not so much or is it more down the line like straight rock and roll it's just building as it goes it's slow so it's kind of like very kind of like it was melodic slow it's basically the opposite of what gallows you know people knew about gallows but i think there was part of us that wanted to try something different even if it wasn't going to see the light of day just to like just to feed that creative first almost, you know what I mean? That hunger to like, oh, you know, we've been doing this kind of music for so long. Let's try something else. Because, you know, we've all like, we've all got different influences. Like, I mean, to me, like, it's almost like, it sounded a bit like Mogwai, that kind of post-rock build, uh-huh. but with like vocals coming in and out. And, uh, and you know, it's just like itching like, another scratch basically i don't know why more bands don't just write for themselves i think everybody only writes with a view to releasing stuff and i know that studio time costs money but it's like sometimes you just need as you say to get that shit out and part of it is actually bonding with each other as friends and as creatives and you know you could even do like an ep where you don't put it out but it's just get let's get that out and then now let's start writing for the record, which will then come. But yeah. it's, it's just that pressure, isn't it, all the time of, shit, we've got to get the next thing out. We've got to get the next thing out. There's definitely pressure because like people people expect something from Gallows. They expect a certain sound. And, and it goes for a lot of bands. Like they're, yep. you know, you almost have to like earn the right to just switch up and do something different and for it to be kind of acceptable. Whereas when, when you're an up and coming band and that whole like, let's let's call it like the Kerrang world mm-hmm. um it's very hard to break out of that yep uh i mean it's it's quite hard to to break out from the Kerrang scene in general do you know what i mean like once you become a Kerrang band like it feels like it's almost purgatory isn't exactly it? Yeah. yeah i mean nothing against no no uh Kerrang, obviously. it's just there's a ceiling there and bring me the horizon are an interesting example that at a certain point they just went now we're all right yeah we're almost bigger than that brand now and we're going to go be our own thing and basically said fuck off rock and fair enough to them you know like they're not my favorite band in the world but i love that they've always had that tenacity and the boldness about them to just go after their own thing yeah i mean when you consider um 
what they sound like today yeah and what they sound Night like and day. Is- and they've still got fans from day one as well like that's interesting too yeah people the other thing is if you stay a band for long enough your audience does grow up with you and that's when bands i think do really interesting stuff like every time i die is an amazing example of this because they haven't necessarily like switched up in such a way that's shocking but what they've done is continued to sound exactly like them but then can continue to evolve and sound fresh too that's the hardest thing of all i yeah, think that's cool i've been listening to the new album it's, it's really fucking good. amazing yeah, isn't it's it? good um but yeah i mean it's it's difficult being in a band because like, like i said you can't please everyone and if you if you were doing it just to please yourself then you've got other members to think of do you know what i mean like they're not necessarily going to be like oh i don't really want to don't want you to do this epic eight minute guitar solo on a track <laughs> do you know what i mean so so it is is rough but um so was was creative differences the end of the band was that ultimately what it was or was it more personal fractures no i, th- I think it was like creative differences basically um looking back i couldn't tell you what they exactly were but i just felt like if we we just weren't going anywhere do you know what i mean it was very kind of like it just didn't feel that um, the chemistry might have gone slightly, I think. Uh, and then, like, when Frank left and, and Wade stepped in, it, it felt like it reignited the band. And um, That self-titled first record with him yeah. is amazing. Yeah, it's a great I record. mean, like, the first five songs back-to-back, bang, 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 bang. So fucking unstoppable and good. And, like, what a perfect... Um, you know, coincidence that just as Frank's leaving, Alexis on fire, kind of yeah. calling time. Did you did you go way back? So I with Wade. How how does that friendship begin? So basically, we did. Um, I met Wade a few times just out warp tour. Would it have been stuff like that? So or? warp tour was one time, but before that, I'd um, I think I met him at like the Kerrang Awards or something, and uh, I was. I've never been like a, like a fan of Lex on Fire. I think I was slightly older when they came out, so I was kind Me of too. Like, yeah. So it wasn't really never understood it to be honest. Yeah. So it wasn't my thing, but I met Wade of the Krang Awards. So we were both just kind of like drunk or whatever. Got on instantly, and th- I think Alexis on Fire were playing Reading because it's always around the Reading weekend, isn't it? So it was like a Friday. Or was, download, yeah. yeah. It's, I think it used to be the Friday, uh, the Thursday, and then Friday was download or Reading, depending on yes. what year it is, yeah. So I think, so it used to be Metal Hammer was the download one at the end of download, right. and then Kerrang! was, Kerrang was the Reading, start of Reading. So, yeah, so it was a Thursday, and I was like, you know, you've got to come and play guitar at the end of Orchestra Wolves on, at Reading, whatever. So he did that. And then... A year or so later, we did Warp Tour uh, with Frank and Lex and Fire on it. And we just kind of like hung out a lot. Um, and then Wade came over, did a show with Black Lungs at the Old Blue Last. And Gallows opened as like mystery secrets guest kind of thing. Amazing. And it was at that show. So it was the first time I'd seen Wade front a band. And he wasn't playing guitar. He just kind of like just fronting it. Do you know what I mean? Like without his guitar. And, and he nailed it. And I was like, fuck, man. I had no idea that Wade was... A beast. Yeah, was this good a front man. I mean, he's a wicked singer and guitar player, but like, you know, he's taking his instrument off and just like nailing it 
um, like we were talking about our friend Jack Hutchcraft from Waco exactly yeah, yeah. similar dynamic isn't it once you remove that like shackle and you're free a whole other person reveals themselves on yeah, stage don't exactly they? that and so so when it came to like finding a new singer um, Wade even though Wade lived in Canada uh, at the time Lee was living in um, LA he got married to someone uh, out in California Stu was living in LA, so already the band are kind of like in all Watford, over the place. Keeping <laughs> Watford, it real, yeah. <laughs> Steph's in Hemel, um, so geography just didn't really factor into anything. Do you know what I mean? Just kind of it almost just like you know, we get together, we will write an album, play some tours, and that's just the cycle. Do you know what I mean? We can we can like have a break, go back home between that. So uh, so Wade said yes, came over. We did, um, we like demoed some ideas, I think. Um, we put out like a True Colors, which is like it's 40 That's seconds. That's the EP song. you did with Joby, right? So we did the EP with Joby. Birth was, is Death or Death uh, is Birth? Death is Birth. Yeah. Um, so we went over to LA to record it with Joby, which was wicked. Like Joby's a fucking He's the man. I love character. Joby. Yeah, 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 he's so great. He's got like a story for everything. Mm-hmm. It's mad. He's a dude. Um, but yes, that was like awesome, like hanging out in LA, like recording with Joby. Uh, and then we did like a US tour. So the first tour we did with Wade was in, um, was the AP tour, like alternative press tour with like title fight, um, four years strong. Oh, God, I can't remember who else was on it. Sharks. So we Sharks did, from yeah. Leamington Spa, my boys. Yeah, 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 yeah. I used to love playing them on the radio, man. Yeah. So they, band. So we shared a bus of Sharks. It was wicked. Um, Jim was there on Friday night. I didn't realize that, yeah, that he was Ramones in the, tribute Ramones band, band was, yeah. was his. I was like, fucking hell, dude, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm, the, I'm Joey. <laughs> yeah, it's mad. Because like, I saw him there. And before I could say hello, like he was like getting ready. And then after the show, I got a message from him on Instagram just saying like, Sorry, sorry, I didn't say hello. I was like busy. Yeah, getting like, in the zone. Yeah, yeah, I was like, no worries, man. Small world, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. So, so we're doing that tour. So, like, I remember the first show we did, and it's it's so fucking weird. Like, before that, I remember chatting to Steph and just being like, "Are you ready for this?" Because I don't think I'm ready. Do you know what I mean? Because it seemed so. We put so much pressure on ourselves, and I was, and also I'm thinking like man fucking hell like what's going through wade's mind like because obviously people loved frank and you know he's he's rightly earned like the title as being like one of the best front men in the uk do you know what i mean so like to step into his shoes i mean wade must be like you know this is i'm insane to be doing this do you know what i mean but alexis at that point were massive right they were but i i still think like Gallows is very different to Alexis. Like yeah. it's a different, I, in my opinion, it's a different crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there is an element, even though Wade is like a massive hardcore punk kid. Do you know what I mean? He's like stepping. He's stepping from one. I mean, like we always kind of joke, like Alexis on fire is kind of like screamo, mm-hmm. and then like Gallows is obviously like more kind of like punk hardcore. But like, you know, fuck knows what he was thinking before. Did like, you talk to him at the time or you, since? You know, like I'd, I'd love to chat to him about it because, like, I I think it's crazy looking back. But you know, when, like I said, when you're in the moment, you're not really overthinking anything. It's just like happening, like bang, bang, bang. This is happening. Uh, so we did the US tour, and like, do you know what? Wade smashed it. And as a frontman, I think he's wicked. Like, he's a great singer. 
he's like puts on like a, a sick show like i you know i love being in gallows of wade and um mate everybody loves you when you're dead at the end when you're singing like fucking you know johnny rotten johnny thunders yeah, vicious yeah. fucking joe strummer like i mean he was that a conscious thing of like fucking giving it to the british audience in that way like i think there is as well like he he knew he knew for well like there's he's stepping into like a band from from watford do you know what I mean? yeah 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 so like when you know when, when we'd be like playing gigs he's like gallows from watford town do you know what i mean it's like it's funny he's saying it but at the same time like he's had to almost kind of become part of the fabric of like what gallows were before do you know what i mean because he's obviously coming in singing songs about like growing up in watford and stuff like that so he's he's almost entering our world like so he's got to earn those cultural stripes exactly right? yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. He, you know he's stayed here a lot and um I'd love to get him on this show, man. He seems like a really good dude. Yeah, he's wicked, man. Like he'd be great for the show as well. He's uh, he's you two tight? Do you share a real kind of like creative kinship? Yeah, I mean, I think we do. Um, Like we always talk about doing like other like just weird projects, just me and him. So like, whether it's like an electronic doom thing or like Mm -hmm. a folk horror kind of like yeah 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 sounding thing, it's always like and always like sending links to like you know have you checked out this band or art or anything do you know what i mean just like cultural references so it's, it's funny like wade's definitely um he's always felt like a brother but from obviously like another continent con- yeah exactly like it's <laughs> it's weird because you know he grew up like listening to the same things like skating misfits all that kind of stuff and so we've got so much in common and even now like you know movies and things like that like always kind of shooting each other like recommendations is touring with gallows now more of like a relaxing experience <laughs> it is like it was really fun doing the shows um i always say last year but it's two years ago yeah now. yeah yeah um it's funny because like you know it came to like obviously slam dunk for like oh do you want to do press and we we're just like no like we don't need to do press like we're yeah. not we're not here trying to sell anything we're just here to like it's like a busman's holiday right yeah exactly like it's it's um is that how it feels at this stage just like getting together with your mates because i noticed as well like you know you've definitely staggered touring and releases and you've obviously gone on and done loads of other projects as well is that a conscious thing just to keep it like special and not oversaturate it and so when you do do it the people come out they love it you enjoy it and it's just more of like a part-time thing is that been a conscious move i mean it's I'd like to say it's conscious, but I think there's an element of, um, you know, I mentioned at first geography wasn't a problem. Like <laughs> it, when it, you look at it, yeah. honestly, it is because obviously Stu's in LA, Wade's in Canada, and and you know with COVID, like we had to cancel all those, um, like Reading and Leeds and all that kind of stuff. So, so it is a lot of it is down to like you know geography and logistics. You know, finances, yeah, logistics. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's. I feel like it's. It's fair if we need it. Do you know what I mean? Like, we haven't. We never kind of called it a day. We just kind of like. We leave it for a while, and if we want to come back to it, we could come back to it. If we it's don't. It's a smart move, man. Yeah, I mean, you don't close the door. That's the thing. Like, and you not got people going. When's the next thing? When's the next thing? It's like yeah. if it happens, everybody's excited. If it doesn't, they're not like. 
you know, withdrawal symptom exactly. kind of it's, <laughs> nagging I, you for it. I find it funny, like when you see bands like do the whole like breakup announcement, like the yeah. long message on Facebook or whatever. Well, it's all just really to reignite interest in the band. And, you know, I could name one now that have done it very well. They said, we're going to do the goodbye. And then they did the goodbye. And then now they're regularly playing shows in the UK yeah. again. And they're the best shows that they've ever played. And it's like, you know, I don't know whether that was conscious on their part to like, let's rouse up some interest. But that certainly is the case that, you know, you can do it that way. Yeah. But it's, it doesn't seem to be very honest to me. I, I to, like the way you guys have done. Yeah, to me, like, I, I don't really like that kind of um, the woe is me approach. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I think all of anyone who gets to play music is like privilege yeah exactly yeah. how fortunate do you know what i mean so so you should be just thankful for for like having that opportunity and you know if it if times run out on that project then it must be for a reason do you know what i mean um so like that whole kind of like you know but yeah that woes be breakup letter kind of thing it's just like come on man like there's no also if you love it as well you find a made awake at work yeah you really i believe that like you know as and i said to you before we started this i'm 35 i live with my dad i'm grateful that i have that place to go to but it's like that's the reality for me is like if i want to keep doing what i love i need to make concessions and i do feel like certain bands they feel like they they deserve to be successful, and if they don't get that success, then they go fuck it, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, well, you, then you didn't love it in the first no, place. No, exactly. I think there's, and also like as as doors close, like other doors open. Do you know what I mean? For like, sure. There's the whole thing with me as well. Like you know, I've been doing up different projects with other people, but as well as that, running the record label. Did you start then to release the first Gallows record yeah, with so, Wade? Is that so, how that came about? So me, Stu, and Wade all put some money in a pot. Um, P.S. were on board. What a perfect, you know, from the Million Pound Warner Brothers record to let's go DIY that I couldn't be more different and amazing. Yeah, it was, it was wicked. And um, I think for me, I mean, what's great about it is like... Could you have got a label interested or did you just not entertain it? We you didn't did. Want it? We had like a few labels interested, but I, I think... It's, it was part of a statement, do you know what I mean? It was part yeah. of like the new chapter, this is us, like... Take it back. Yeah, exactly. So, and also doing then, like it then gave us the opportunity and a platform to work with like other bands at the time. So like the first non-Gallows thing we did was like Marmosets, do you know what I mean? Oh, wow. And so obviously Marmosets went Dude, on where to are they now? What's going on with them? Because their last record was fucking amazing. Yeah. It's, and I, they're so good. And then they just disappeared off the face of the earth. They posted like something on instagram the other day but what it was nothing to suggest there was music or right, anything right right but yeah i don't know what's going on there but going back to the label yeah like so it's like early on it was like marmosets like baby godzilla before they were heck yeah 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 um, well, one tea. of the early times we hung out was on that um what's zach skate company called crossfire oh, magazine yeah, yeah. it was on the boat party for halloween me yeah. and you were djing that and baby godzilla played that it was the first time i'd seen them and it felt i always likened it it was like someone set a fucking missile off inside a submarine that's what their shows were like yeah it's fucking mad like we did <laughs> i remember we did a tour um it was for the for the last gallows record it was like gallows headlining baby godzilla main support and um and creeper opening wow and uh and i was just like fucking like obviously baby godzilla like it was just before they changed their name but they were um and were they legally chaos. forced to do that? 
Yeah, yeah so that's a shame, man. That kind of took the wind out of their sail, didn't it? Yeah. It's... And they were fucking, I imagine, quite a hard act to follow. Exactly. Not because the songs are particularly, you know, sing-along epic, but yeah. that performance, that live show, you're like, fucking hell, we're going to look like pretty chilled out old dudes after exactly. that. <laughs> well, that's the thing, because obviously Gallows are kind of like known for something like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, by that point... This I is like think, the new kids on the block. Exactly. But <laughs> I, I had no issue with it, because I was saying, at the end of the day, like, you just got to believe in yourself and the songs. and Of course. And the shows were sick. Do you know what I mean? Like, I really enjoyed playing those gigs. Uh, if anything, you want a band that's going to force you to up your game. Lou Collar from Sick of It All said that when he was on this show. He's like, we would take out kind of Snapcase and Earth Crisis and those bands of yeah, that yeah. time to force us to go harder and give the fans a better show. Yeah, we did. I remember another tour we did. We took out Trash Talk. Do you wow. know what I mean? So yeah, again, yeah, yeah. it's just like, yep. what are we doing to ourselves? Mm-hmm. How are we going to up that? But again, you know, like I said, it's it's a lot of like just self-belief and knowing that people are there to see what you're doing, do you know what I mean? Not yeah. just for opening bands, but um but yeah, it was wicked and like, you know, doing the label, just still like getting to work with so many like Well who so you're working with Waco, who I adore, and anybody listening to this, um, go back and check out the episode I did with Jack from Waco. Dear friend of mine, amazing bands. You've done both their albums, right? I did the recent one, and they've got another one coming out, which I guess I can say now, which is Wicked. Hey, <laughs> Hope Rituals go. was the last, right? Yeah, 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 Wicked album. Didn't you do the one before that as well, though? No, I didn't. You didn't do that they, one? So they did that one just digitally. Right. Um, but they came back to do this one. Um, and uh, I went to see this band called Out of Love, who played yesterday, who are Wicked, kind of like... That's at Seabright, yeah? Seabright, Seabright Arms, Arms yeah. yeah. So they're, they're kind of... Um, Someone at the show described them as happy hardcore. Obviously, not the rave genre, but kind of like <laughs> yeah, 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 positive think, hardcore. Yeah, music. yeah, just like just massive tunes. Like they can't like write. H2O kind of style or no, more like I'd more say like more hardcore like, music, but just like drug fun. church. Okay, like with like energy, like just really big hooks. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, recently did like a Bob Villain record. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wicked. I mean, Bob Villain's absolutely smashing at the moment. Yeah, I mean, playing with Biffy. And obviously you had Simon Neal on on the fucking uh, Grey Britain. Was it Grey Britain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like that, that's a band that have done it incredibly well, that have achieved huge, incredible success and not changed who they are. Yeah, I mean, Killed I remember... They've eight... obviously, you know, evolved, but they haven't fucked that. Like, if anybody calls them a sellout, they're an idiot. Like, yeah. they've done it right. Kept it real. They, cause they didn't even get real recognition till maybe like the fourth album mm-hmm. yeah which yeah. is mad when you think about it because the first few records are wicked but it was, it was still kind of like, like the one with the white and red flag on the cover right was that kind of the first, only revelations I can't was that remember. kind of the, the period but yeah you're right there's a few albums yeah before the, anybody's taken any notice on a, like a wide scale so like i mean that's wicked because they're they really kind of built that audience do you know what i mean and they like you said they kind of stuck to their guns and yeah it worked and out a massive them. And Absolutely they just they massive. just played the forum last night. I saw yeah. like, and that for them's like an underplay. Like. <laughs> yeah, that is. It's so weird. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just sick to be working with like. So the uh, are Stu and, and Wade still involved hands on? Obviously, or are they more like silent partners at this stage. They, and... they Stu moved to obviously Stu lived in LA. Uh, I just kind of like took the label and ran with it basically because I was over here and and yep. do you know what I mean. I was kind of. I'm still like playing a part in the scene as it were, like going to gigs and meeting new bands and, and doing that kind of stuff. So I've basically just kind of, all right, I've still got this Ven Records platform. I'm going to 
work at making it more of a label and, and weirdly enough during covid um obviously you know i wasn't djing i wasn't playing gigs i had so much time to dedicate to like learning about what how to run the label properly that it kind of helped me amazing improve it i mean you've got to make the most of a bad exactly, situation dude. yeah yeah so yeah I'm, I'm really excited for like next year and um and yeah just like just focusing on that um and yeah doing bits of music on the side hopefully like more music and different projects well let me ask you this would you ever do another album with frank Was yeah that- i mean i'd do i for me like i'm not saying like gallows is a revolving door but um do you know what if like if wade was like look you know i'm gonna sit this one out i'm sure he wouldn't even mind too much if that happened like i don't think it will happen but again like i i feel like in the music industry you've kind of got to keep an open mind you know what i mean no matter what like part of the reason why i've got here today is is just by saying yes to things and just like figuring it out later do you know what i mean there's a lot of like that sounds so cool like yeah i'll do it i'll do it and then you you're not really sure what you're saying yes to but like you you're then kind of like working towards making it happen and it's like oh, this was actually a good idea yeah that's so much like as you know you've probably said yes to things you're thinking like why am i saying yes to this but then it turned out to be great well next year i'm going to be hosting monster trucks live for hot wow. wheels i don't even drive a car <laughs> and i can't wait you know it's so far out of my comfort zone it's not even funny i'm doing it with alex baker yeah, yeah. and um i can't wait man but i yeah. spoke to alex about that he was telling me about it, it sounds fucking insane we're going to texas together in like two weeks to, to go out mad. meet the team see the show so yeah man always i'm a yes man completely i'm always open to new adventures and yeah, experiences yeah. the reason i ask is because like i'm good friends with jesse leach from kill switch engage and although musically they're very different to gallows what they've done which is interesting is now jesse and howard are really tight friends and on the last kill switch record they had howard guest spot on a track oh cool and like i just wonder whether that would be you know a door that you'd be open to down the line if it is say wade as the actual singer but then you've got featuring yeah yeah. frank i mean people would lose their minds for that shit wouldn't they sweet i remember um has it ever been discussed anything like no, that? No, but I remember like that American tour we did, like the first one with Wade. We did. Frank was living in Brooklyn at the time, and he came on and did a track with us. Wow! In New York, yeah. So like, it's, so I, the friendships remained. Yeah, I don't think there's any like bad blood or anything like that. Um, it is just a case of like you know people going and doing their separate things. Really, that's all it is. Uh, but yeah, it's funny you say that about Jesse because obviously I know Jesse is like he's a punk rocker completely um yeah so that's sick if you ever need a third singer i'm sure he'd be down he fucking loves gallows yeah and and so a couple more questions before i get out your hair um 15 years coming up 2023 is 15 years of great britain would you you ever consider doing a one-off show where you play that album in full with frank i'd be up for it do you know what i mean like i said there's i would never ever dismiss anything do you know what i mean it's we're in a creative world like dismissing stuff is the opposite of being creative really completely yeah so yeah and what about um a follow-up with wade are you working on anything we're not working on anything we had, no. we had a few demos like flowing around but obviously when covid hit um and like not not just covid obviously like brexit it's, the, the shit storm we're in yeah it's just <laughs> it's like the perfect cocktail of elements isn't it it's just kind of hard especially like 
Stu's managing bands as well, so he's, he? right, he's right, right. super busy. Um, so I think again, you know what? I'm not saying nothing's going to happen, but like if if it does, wicked. If it doesn't, then no harm done. Do you know what I mean I'm just kind of I'm just appreciating what's happening now, like the areas I'm still involved musically, and um, I think that's all you can, especially in this day and age. Like fuck knows what's going to happen. Like just to be getting months. gigs man and, yeah exactly and to still be, like, and to still be alive yeah, if you want exactly. to just break it down to that like not everybody is i just read on twitter on the way here mark lanigan's got like a book coming out um something to do with the title something in a coma because he got covid so bad that it made him deaf and he was slipping in and out of a coma and was like hospitalized no and, way. and yeah i'm sure the years of fucking heroin that he was doing probably didn't help no. his body but just to be here above ground today um, is a blessing. And I think that just the time that we have, you know, alive should be put to good use, whatever that is, right? I agree. And a bit of gratitude and humility goes a long way. And to like, to connect with you and hear the full story of, you know, not just Gallows, but your journey through the madness of the music industry, because it's a pretty fucking cynical place when it wants to be, isn't it? And it can definitely like jade you and frustrate and kind of bum you out. But it's really cool for me and inspiring for me to see someone like you who's still in it and engaged by it yeah, and enthralled with it. And it's been a cool chat, dude. Yeah, cheers, man. Cheers to you. Thank I'm you. Out, I'm out of tea, but thank you for it. And um, dude, good luck selling this house. If anybody wants to move to Watford, Wag, uh, Lags has a Wags <laughs> Lags has a beautiful house um, oh, on the market as we speak. So yeah, um, and any new releases for Ven on the horizon do you um, want to give a plug here or anything else for gold key or do you know what like i've actually been absolutely killing this record uh it's the new god complex record okay so, so they broke up annoyingly uh, the singer left to join um blood youth but they've created like such a vicious heavy album um and like i uh, driving to the gig yesterday and driving back i just had on repeat just thinking like fuck man this is so good why why is this band breaking up but um yeah check it out if you like stuff like converge just like brutal noisy metallic hardcore god complex find them on spotify it's fucking sick and what is it venrecords.com is that your venrecords.com yeah b-e-n-n check it out all right dude i'll be seeing you cheers man Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 